where we discuss each Bare Naked Ladies song alphabetically, even if it isn't the right season. But this time it is! But this week we don't have the three kings of Bare Naked ABCs with us. I am without Aaron and Michelle this week, unfortunately. Aaron is off trying to prove that Radiohead is the true messiah of rock. <laughs> He's traveled to Bethlehem. Wait, no, no. Abdington, England. Michelle is taking some time herself during the season, but I hope to get a Christmas card from both of them tonight. Joining us this week, we have two gentlemen from Canada, so I guess that that makes us the three magi of this song tonight? Would that Does that sound right? We are from the East. We are very from the East. <laughs> we're from the East, and we're also from the North Pole, so, you know, in that respect, we're working uh, from either a religious or a secular Christmas point of view. It worked perfectly. <laughs> Introduce yourself, gentlemen. <laughs> Hi, I'm Andrew Hawthorne, and I'm from Monster Squad Minute and No Time for Heroics. And with me is my compatriot, Justin Tucker, who is from Monster Squad Minute and a like one of the main fans of uh, of the other one. <laughs> <laughs> You're our one fan. Yep. Yes. Both of those podcasts are basically finished. You can go and see them on iTunes or something. You have to start up another one now. I do well. I technically do have another one. It's called the VOCM Lunch Bunch. I work for a radio station here, and you can find that on SoundCloud. And if you are particularly interested in issues pertaining to Newfoundland and Labrador, it's going to appeal to you. If not, probably not so much. <laughs> or we may just have a nice chuckle. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, hello. <laughs> Is that what they say in Canada? Hello. Is that? The right language? We see Halu, actually. It's uh, something Halu. that was passed down to us from... Yeah. No, I'm making that up. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you ever start a Great Big C podcast, that one would be What He At is something they're famous for. <laughs> now, see, that's what you should do next. Oh, God. Perfect. The Great Big ABCs, yeah. <laughs> have you guys... I have to jump in and I have to ask this because I haven't had any Canadian friends on to ask this of yet. Have you guys heard Tyler's version of the Guster song, Overexcited, yet? No. No? No. Okay. So I'll give you homework before the next time <laughs> that we that we meet, because you're coming back in the, in the near future. You have to go out and listen to the Overexcited song uh, by Guster. They have eight different versions of it out in different languages, and Tyler sings the Canadian version. Hmm. Okay. If there's <laughs> ever been a musician who is overexcited, it is Tyler Stewart of the Bare Naked Ladies that that most fits him. Oh. I feel. And oh, definitely. And ironically, one of the few who very rarely sings. I know, but when That's he does, true. it's gold, man. Oh yeah. Even if he's just <laughs> screaming the word "new market" from the back of the stage periodically throughout a song, <laughs> or what, or whatever he did. And speaking of someone that is overly merry. Um, I hope that you are married tonight and rested during this discussion, because mm. tonight we're going to discuss God Rest Ye Married Gentlemen, and We Three Kings of Orient are mm. off the Bare Naked for the Holidays album. Well, you know, you say it's off Bare Naked for the Holidays, but up here in Canada, this is off the Bare Naked Ladies Christmas special that happened way back in the early 90s, and when we were kids, this was just the jam mm -hmm. at, at this this. <laughs> I don't know if we'd ever even heard anything like this at the time uh, on the radios or elsewhere. But, you know, Steven was on there. This was Cape Steven period where he was kind of a superhero. 
It was a great time. And not to mention, actually, I'm going to jump in with an even mildly nerdy, I looked this up before I came on the show kind of a thing. Uh, but I think it also came in, its first appearance might have also been, for Sarah McLaughlin anyway, who's also in on this, depending on which version we're talking about. She had it, I think, first on one of her albums. Didn't she have it on Winter Song first? It's possible. Ooh, she may have. I think she... Or oh, no, uh, yeah, 2006 Winter Song She, she is uh, is one of the things, but she recorded it, I'm sorry, in 96. I looked that up. I actually looked up when it was recorded because I was too curious. Was it as late as 96? Wow. Yeah. It feels like this song has mm. always been there. But what I like about <laughs> it is they've recorded it using only one mic. Because, of course, they did. <laughs> they Right. They had to all you know crowd around that one mic and sing this. Yeah, which I love. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's really cool when they do that with certain songs. Some, some of them not so much, but this would be one of those perfect ones to do that with. Yeah. You can almost picture them at a concert or something just saying, okay, guys, we're about to go out. Why don't we do this just for, for giggles, right? And, and well, really- actually, like... The video of it that was playing was the live performance where they're just kind of hanging out and they've got like uh, a bunch of carpets down on the stage or whatever, you know, and a mic. And they're just kind of hanging out with Sarah McLaughlin like you do. We're just hanging out with Sarah McLaughlin. This is totally normal. Uh, like it was a thing we did in Canada. Yeah, she would come over, you know. <laughs> and so one of the versions I have of this song, actually, you know, interestingly enough, is that they did their tour with the holiday album. It was the second time I'd actually seen them in concert and they came to, I want to say this one, they came to Boston um, when I saw them, although it might've been Portland, Maine. I can't remember. Oh, it's Portland. Yeah. They came to Portland, Maine um, and did the holiday album. And this is one of those songs where they all crowded around the microphone. And because you only have in terms of the music itself, you only have Jim on bass and Tyler on drums. Yeah, that's a good point. That's yeah. something else that really sets this song apart for me, too, is that is, is the gym on bass level. And, yeah. and for me, like there's an arc of Bare Naked Ladies of, of the stuff that I really love and the stuff that I love a little less. And it it really just comes down to how much Jim is on bass in the background of the album. <laughs> and you can see this. This is why when Army came out and there were some Jim songs where he was even singing in the front. And I'm like, yes, the, this is it. This is the stuff right now. <laughs> Look out. It's happening. What's happening? <laughs> and I mean, Regan I love it when Jim is up front. And, and post Pirate Ship, too, because on Pirate Ship, Jim was great. But all of his songs were, I'm saying this as politely as I can very jim is that fair? <laughs> i mean yeah just... and that was also the post andy period right in, yeah in the book um uh, uh private public stunts private stories they talk about how um uh, jim was under a lot of pressure because he kind of felt guilty because his brother had left the band and so he was yep. doing a lot of extra stuff on pirate ship and that really came across i guess that's a similar era okay. to when this song was originally recorded so it makes sense and and you can see how he's got the chops to just lay the whole song on him. Just have some bass and some wicked acapella. And yeah. This is just yeah. prime DNL. I should also mention that this song is also, and it came out before the holiday album. Yeah. This is also on the Maybe This Christmas album in 2002, uh, which was a compilation CD of a number of different artists. 
Yeah, this was one of those songs in the 90s when this is one of the ones that plays every Christmas and and did as soon as it came out in 96 and was just always there. Um, But it was one of those songs like uh, uh, Lovers in a Dangerous Time that wasn't really easily accessible in the pre-iTunes, pre-LimeWire and pre-Bare-Naked-For-The-Holidays days. You couldn't really find this anywhere. I remember one place that you could find it was if you were in the official Bare Naked Ladies fan club, the ladies room. Um, oh, and yeah. you And you got a catalog, and it said all this different stuff that you could order directly from their site uh, in the early days of websites. And, and one of those things was, like, the single of this song uh, that you'd get if you were in the club. And that catalog mm-hmm. and that merch was managed by Network. Uh, N-E-T-W-E-R-K, which was Sarah McLaughlin's label, which is probably how they came together, I guess. I don't remember if Bare Naked Ladies were with Network, though. They were. They were on Network for a very short period of time. Uh I want to say it was just before, and I could be wrong on this. No, it was just after Maroon. Um, So I want to say it was the Everything to Everyone, and after that, um, I think all the way to Bare Naked Ladies Army. Uh, during that period of time, oh, really? that they were on network. Wow! And yeah. you know, and network for me is is one of those real prime '90s nostalgia labels where you know uh, I have a network uh, mixed compilation CD that has like the Wild Strawberries and Moist and David Usher <laughs> doing some solo stuff and Sarah McLaughlin. Like you know, this was a a an explosion of awesome Canadian pop and alternative stuff. And Network was really uh, pushing a lot of that stuff. So was it was it cool like to see Tea Party and OLP, probably? And... <laughs> yeah, it was that era. And yeah. so it was cool to see see them behind our guys as well, you know? Yeah. Well, and they would do really cool, interesting stuff to kind of publicize their... their, net, their uh... Oh, and of course, the word just went poop, gone out of my head. Uh, their merchandise and, and their... Label? Hmm. Well, not just their label, but there are people that are on their label. Um, and so one of the things that they did for this was for every stop on the tour, you could buy a um, USB oh my God. Yeah. of that that <laughs> concert um, or of that album. Yes. And then also you could download a copy of that concert, which I actually have a copy, two copies of that concert because I bought one for myself, but also a friend bought it for me. Uh, so I have all the ad libs from that year. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome to the stage Miss Sarah McLaughlin. She's not here, but I would really like to welcome her to the stage. I would, nothing would make me happier right now, but she's at home in Vancouver. Um, but it would be great. Imagine if she came out right now and sung the part that I'm about to sing. Yeah, it would be, cool. awesome. That'd be crazy. Lilith Fair Part 2. Did you get uh, the so USB? The I'll be. I did. I got the USB uh, as well. <laughs> yeah, I was going to bring this up because, you know, Barry Ladies was always really at the forefront of digital music. Even as far back as maybe you should drive, they were putting like enhanced CD stuff on there. Like here's some videos or, or an interactive oh, yeah. CD or whatever. Right. Uh, and and so this makes total sense. But I remember when Barry for the holidays came out and you could get it on a USB at the time. This was entirely novel, and it's likely if you got it on the USB, that was the only USB stick that you had. <laughs> but it was in stores here with the CDs and the USB, and I'm like, man, I could get it on that USB. 
And I could erase that USB. You could actually buy it right there at the concert. It was really cool. Oh, that's awesome. I love the USB thing. That's cool. I have a Christmas card here from Aaron, so I'm going to read it to you. Let's see what it says. I was going to say that I am a fan of secular Christmas songs, but given that the minor songs tend to be more religious in origin, I suppose that might not be true. I do like this song, although I can't hear it without thinking of Mr. Bean conducting it on the Mr. Bean Christmas special. This version is, of course, much different, and as a bonus, it has We Three Kings, another great minor Christmas tune. Interestingly, while I do like these songs, I don't like them as much as Carol LaBelle's, but the song is recorded in D minor and performed at 182 beats per minute. It's a very nice arrangement, sort of jazzy and syncopated, not entirely unlike that of Mr. Bean arrangement, but obviously far less comical and actually quite lovely. I found Sarah McLaughlin's voice vocals to be quite a wonderful addition, as I am the one here who is the least familiar with the bulk of the B&L's catalog. I can only hope that I have some more collaborations between the boys and Sarah down the road. Their voices blend quite nicely. Lots of downright beautiful harmonies to enjoy here. Probably my favorite parts are the swinging, walking, jazz bass line, Tyler's tasteful swing drums, and the fantastic vocal harmonies, including the outstanding work from Miss McLaughlin. The thing that puzzles me the most is the very abrupt ending. It's very disconcerting. At first, I thought the copy was... I was listening to was cut off. Then I thought, hmm, perhaps it bleeds over into the next track, but apparently it just stops. It's weird. It sounds like they lost tape or something. I would have assumed that they would fade it out if that were the case. If I ever get to talk to someone from the band, I would love to ask them about this. It's puzzling. It's too bad because it's a little off-putting. However, that doesn't stop this from potentially being the best Christmas song I have heard from the band. It's quite nice, and I would not hesitate to put it on a, at a Christmas party. However, I might have to explain the cutoff ending, which, of course, I can't. It's difficult to rate this. It's pretty nearly a perfect Christmas song performance and recording. But I am not overly enamored with the Christmas music in general, at least for the most part. I used to work in retail. It's not my fault. Separating it from listening to it objectively as a song, I don't like it as much as something as For You or Box Set, both of which I gave a 4 rating to. However, I do like it more than Christmas Time, Oh Yeah, which I gave a 3.825. Therefore, I award God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, We Three Kings, a very solid 3.9 Magi out of 5. In my defense, I am the group's designated contrarian, and is still technically a three of some sort, which seems appropriate given the Magi measurement. Great song, particularly great for a Christmas song. I recommend it. If you guys would indulge me for a minute. Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, it's going to probably be like ten minutes, knowing the way that these notes look. I'm going to break down these two songs. Like, I think it's... I think we can't really break down, like, how well these songs are written... Or how well the music is written for these songs. Because it's just traditional Christmas music. Mm. And it's them playing it with Sarah McLaughlin. That being said, I think it's good for us to kind of go back and take a look where these songs come from. What's special about these songs. So God rest... I'm going to break it into two pieces. First, we have God rest ye merry gentlemen. How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. What tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy. It is a song that is built off from Luke 2, 
from the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, it is in the meter of 868686 with a refrain. Luke 2, by the way, a much better movie than Luke 3. They totally went jump the shark on that one. <laughs> they did. It has a really down ending, though. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it was a total callback, though. See, that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> who knew that Vader was Luke's father? <laughs> yeah, here we go. So, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen is an English traditional Christmas song. Um, it is in the Roxburgh collection, and it is known in, uh, by other names as well, such as Tidings of Comfort and Joy, All Come Ye Worthy Gentlemen, God Rest Ye, Merry Christmas, uh, God Rest Ye, Merry People All. It is one of the olden, oldest extant carols there are. It dates back all the way to the 16th or 15th century. Earliest printed version of it is known to date back to the 1760s. It is the only Christmas carol that's referred to in Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Uh, when he this says, is, at the This first is the sound, titular Christmas Carol? Mm. Oh, this pretty is. Much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and gentlemen uh, don't get at, any rest in Christmas Carol. They're up all night <laughs> with the ghosts. <laughs> That's no good at all. Now Spook's here's the really thing. a gentleman, Most... though. No, <laughs> bit oh. of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not a gentleman. Yeah. They weren't singing it to him. Yeah. Anyway, the thing is, is this song is often misunderstood, and that's actually partially due to Charles Dickens, because when he wrote it in there, he mispunctuated huh. the name. It is written in the book as "God rest you, comma merry gentlemen." And that's where it, how it's been understood for a long time. And people often think that what their people are saying is God rest you. God, God, you know, take your time, rest during the season. Like they just sneezed or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, actually, in some, some versions of it, they say, God bless you, merry gentlemen. Yeah. And that's not what it is really trying to be said here. See, not- what they're trying to say is the old version of rest was to keep or to remain or to make someone be something. And the comma goes after the word Mary. Mm. So it's God rest ye Mary, comma, gentlemen. Meaning God make you mighty, because the word Mary was actually in those times understood to be be mighty. God rest ye mighty gentlemen. And it wasn't calling the gentlemen mighty, but it was saying, may God make you mighty in his eyes, gentlemen. Fancy way of saying God bless you, basically. <laughs> in some ways. So, kind of, I have the power. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that is a much better way of doing that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a, he meant a total remake of Charles Dickens' classic, A Christmas Carol. How did you know that was my next note? <laughs> Listen, and and when like we're sisters, when Adam put on the Christmas costume of Santa Claus so that he could show Adora all the stuff about Christmas from Earth, it was very important. (laughs) Just the right setting for my new Christmas song. Let's try it.
<laughs> now that's the Christmas spirit. It's <laughs> very important. Now, there's one more thing that makes this Christmas Carol different than all the other Christmas Carols from this time period. And and so I got this from Ace Collins from their book Stories Behind the Best Love Songs of Christmas. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to repeat it word for word here. I'm sorry Ace Collins. I'm I'm going to to steal this from you. Like so many early Christmas songs, this carol was written as a direct reaction to the music of the 15th century church. During this period, the songs of organized religion were usually written in Latin and their melodies were somber and dark, offering singers and listeners little inspiration or joy. In fact, though few admitted it in public, most church members secretly disliked the accepted religious songs of the day. Yet the laymen at the time had no power over the way they worshipped and had to accept things as they were. So they continued to go to worship and they created their own Christmas music outside the walls of the cathedral. And that was their way of kind of quietly, this is me now paraphrasing, that was their way of rebelling. This was one of the most favored and loved Christmas songs that were written at that time as a rebellion against the church's way of admiring the season and it was done in a very major key it was written with happiness about the time and they actually used to dance to this song yep. during christmas time which is not something that most of the christmas carols ha- did this is totally uh, like so their rage against the machine moment you know renegades of funk <laughs> christmas album <laughs> help help i'm being repressed there was a 1600s kevin bacon just rocking out to this out there and they're like stop it <laughs> I love that a idea. Festive Kevin Bacon. <laughs> yeah. Festive Kevin. <laughs> as festive as they were back well, in the 1500s. Speaking as a... Privy, Sarah, tis <laughs> our time to dance. <laughs> speaking as a kind of churchy guy, uh, it is this time of year when you get closer and closer to Christmas that you got that lead in with the four Sundays of Advent. And all of the tunes are either like minor key and kind of half sad or if they're not half sad they're kind of oh and don't forget you're supposed to be really really pitiful right now because jesus came as a baby and you suck (laughs) (laughs) he's awesome emmanuel dude emmanuel is such a good song oh no they're beautiful songs but they remind oh just that one Oh, yeah, just that one. <laughs> just that one. But no, there are a lot of lead-in tunes. Like, I have a lot of friends who, uh, well, just for, the, like, in, in a lot of different churches, who are all about the idea that, oh, no, 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 we don't sing anything happy until after the 24th. Until then, sing the sad ones. <laughs> and and right. they mean it. Like, no jingle bells. And listen, we don't usually sing that in church anyway, but none of it. <laughs> you know, like, none of the fun stuff. And it's hilarious just to watch it happen because you always have a couple of old nans who are just kind of like, oh, no, we're singing. The kids are doing a pageant. They're doing all the happy stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You're not supposed to be happy during this season. How dare you? Exactly. You You have to be somber and cold (laughs) and remember that, you know, death is prevalent at Christmas. The Anglican Church, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Which is amazing because then you hit Easter. Oh. The season of Look death, out. <laughs> and there's all this this really joyful, happy yeah, music. Of death. <laughs> well, the pre the prelude, yeah. <laughs> we should market it that way. It's yeah. just a very black metal Easter that's coming up here. 
Easter, the season of death. Dude, yeah. Good Friday. You're not getting blacker than that. I'm sorry. It's like it is literally <laughs> black and is literally that's it. All the if you have any they, robes or anything at that time of year, everything's black or taken down. <laughs> they they mislabeled Black Friday. Yes. It should be just before that's Easter. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why they moved. I think it. You're talking about coming. Black Sabbath, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to a church near Generals you, Black <laughs> So then we have the second part of this song, which is We Three Kings of Orient Are. Which is completely made and up. It's interesting. Completely made up. <laughs> None of it's real. <laughs> in, a, in a way. Star of wonder, star of night, star with royal. You go from this traditional English Christmas song to an American Christmas carol. Yeah. So we're we're traveling across the ocean here. Yeah. Correct. Wow. Um, It was written in in 1857 by Reverend John Henry Hopkins for the General Theological Seminary in New York City as part of the Christmas pageant. Hmm. He organized the carol in a very interesting way. And I actually like this. I would like to see it done more often this way. And it's not done this way very much anymore. The carol is actually devised to have three male singers Mm -hmm. that you start off both the beginning verse and the end verse with all three singers singing together. And then the third, the second, third and fourth are divided up between the three male singers, each one taking the role of a magi because the the second, third, and fourth verse are each taken from the di- perspective of a different magi presenting gifts to Jesus. No, but my favorite part of that is when dude is like, "Myrrh is mine," and then you just imagine he took it and, and is running away. <laughs> he doesn't want to give that to the baby. <laughs> or, well, all I can think about, and this is a bit of a deep cut, and I don't know if anybody else knows it, but one of the best versions of that that most kids of our generation should know about is Claymation Christmas. Oh, Claymation Christmas. Where they totally do that. In in that version of it, it is three different voices. And like the guys who are part of the uh, California Raisins uh, singing exactly that way that you're describing. They come in on the first verse together, individualize, and then go in together again. Look it up, kids. It's on YouTube. <laughs> Which is beautiful. I mean... <laughs> Wait, say the name again. I've forgotten it. I used YouTube. <laughs> No. It's a it's a website. It's an app. Ask no. the kids. <laughs> no. Claymation Christmas. Christmas. Yes. <laughs> so it's interesting. So we have this really happy tune, known as like a happy, joyous tune to start off. But this melody, We Three Kings of Orient Are, has been known as the sad melody. And sure. it's very, sh- what they call shifting in nature, which is supposed to make you feel mel- uh, not melodic, but Melancholy. melancholic. That was the word I was looking for. And it's different. Like, this song is supposed to kind of resemble, like, the Middle Ages and the Mideastern music. So a very different kind of direction musically to go in. When you're combining two songs. And it's interesting that they've kind of pushed both of these songs at each other in a way, because they've taken the joyfulness 
of God Rest You Merry Gentlemen and dialed it down a bit to make it really jazzy and mellow. And they've mm. taken the moroseness of We Three Kings and dialed it up a bit by giving it to Sarah McLaughlin. And so it's it does sound more upbeat and airy in her style. And and they've met somewhere in the middle. So it's not quite as, as upbeat as God Rest You. It's not quite as downbeat as We Three Kings. It's It's right in the middle in this really smooth jazz spot. And it works. I mean... Oh, yeah. I'm not complaining in the least. Like this is a really good compilation of those two. You can also see. Yeah, it no, this is incredible. You can also see it from the point of view of the strengths of both musicians, because with BNL they have the happier of the two, the upbeat song. And whenever you listen to Sarah, I'm not saying that all of her songs are sad, but <laughs> she has the lilt. Like she tilts but we, that away. We do play them over <laughs> yeah. uh, pictures of dogs in uh, shelters. <laughs> quite a lot so even, even just looking at her album like uh w- i think it's winter song like some of the songs on there are gorgeous but all kind of i wish i had a river to skate away on kind of thing as a matter of fact i think she does a cover of that on that <laughs> right so whereas on well, Naked for the holidays most of those songs just make you want to put a drill in your eye <laughs> oh, Hanukkah, oh that was Hanukkah. andrew not me i did not say that i'm not disagreeing okay, with know, him but Full full disclosure, I don't like Renegade for the Holidays oh, all that much. Because boo, boo, boo. I know, I know, I know, get your booze uh, and get your booze. Yes. But um I, I bought that album thinking it was gonna be this song. Like you yeah. know, uh, I'd been listening to this song for years and thinking like, man, there, there there has rarely been as good a modern Christmas song as this. And you know, we'd heard Green Christmas and all of that stuff as well. Like, those are pretty good. Let's mm-hmm. let's lay two. And the whole rest of the album has this really weird kind of hyper snide attitude that I, <laughs> I I did not enjoy at all. Except for the Hanukkah songs, which are are very kind of down they're, they're just kind of there. The like they're they're from Steve's kind of sounds like he's lying on a couch while he's singing, period, where <laughs> there, there isn't as much power behind the song. I don't know. Anyway, I'm not a big fan of that album, but hey, yeah. thanks for trying. <laughs> I, have I like the USB all stick. on that album, except for, and I hate to say this, once again, I'm going to get email about this, except for the Kevin songs. I am not Oof. a fan of the Kevin songs on this album. You don't like him when he gets it. on the little the little organ? <laughs> no. <laughs> that but, Jingle Bells, man, that Jingle Bells kills me oh. every oh. time. As soon as that came on, I'm like, no, I'm not in for a good time. And, you know, they do Crosby, Stills, Nash Young. Like, yeah. that makes up for it. No, that really pretty good. That. It's excellent. That's a good song. I also but like jingle as, bells. as much as I'm, I might have been going through a bubbly period at the time, and I said that the way I said it. But the elf when you were a cheerleader, yes, yeah, exactly. Um, but no, the elf's lament is still one of my favorite tunes, just because it's so tongue in cheek, and oh, yeah. the fact that, that Michael Bublé and the boys share uh, singing duty is just fun, and the fact that somehow a crooner can fit in there. I mean, I know Steve kind of went that way a little bit, but just the fact that here comes Michael Bublé, and it's like, yeah, all right. I mean, it still sounded very, uh, well, actually, considering where the, the angle they're going for, it still sounds a little artificial. But at the I, same time, I like it. It's funny. Yeah, I, I, I wish they would do more stuff. I, I think that his bizarre sense of humor, which doesn't often come across in his albums, but does when you see him interviewed, yep. really fits with those guys. I would really like to see like a Boo Blair Naked Ladies kind of a oh. compilation album. Where oh, my gosh. It, oh, my this whole album time. could have been that. Oh, my right? gosh. <laughs> 
And actually, you were saying like that you were hoping that the whole album would be this song, and I agree. Like when I when I went out to purchase this album, I was hoping that the album would be this Elf's Lament, like this kind of feel, like Crosby, Stills, and Nash, like those songs are are what I was hoping the whole album would end up being. Yeah, because it brings a different spin, a different take on each of either a traditional song or writing their own new traditional song. Um, I even like footprints, to be honest. Uh, and the more yeah, I listen and a to lot it, of the like rest it. of the songs, it feels like they're kind of making fun of the song while they're at it. And yeah. you know, Christmas is a is a rough holiday to poke fun at. It's a very sincere holiday. You know, people feel very nostalgic about it. They have very deep feelings about Christmas in a way that they don't about, you know, Veterans Day or well, maybe not Veterans Day, but you know, Halloween or, or Thanksgiving they're, or something. They're a little different. <laughs> yeah, you know, like for for every a Christmas story, you've got five or six or twenty different movies that just really like land with a thud when they're trying to have a funny Christmas. Yeah, and, uh, and they've already that, started that actually, and it's not even Thanksgiving down oh. your way. So there you go. Yeah. No. <laughs> Now we we haven't even hit the real holiday season up here, you know, down here in Maine. I have to keep saying down here because of where you guys are at. Yep. Um, <laughs> we're in the northernmost north state of, of America. <laughs> so. We're the northeast, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I do have a couple other things about the wiki, we three kings. Hmm. So, yeah. for those who aren't familiar with it, first of all, why aren't you with this song? But anyways. The carol centers around the biblical magi, the wise men, or for some reason people keep coming back to kings, even though it's never mentioned as kings in the Bible. Nope. But the three wise men who come to visit Jesus as a child, sometime after the nativity, before they do the traveling to Egypt, and they give him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to pay homage to him. This is a rendition or a recounting of the events in the Gospel of Matthew, Ironically, Matthew 2. Um, the Revenge. <laughs> Matthew 2, The Revenge. No, that that comes after they leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Look That's it up, Matthew kid. 3. <laughs> so they don't give any details about the names in the Bible, uh, but there are a lot of different things. If you look in different parts of the Bible, you can find... Um, a lot of interesting stuff, and this sent me down a deep rabbit hole about the story of Christmas. Um, the Old Testament. Easter? Before... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually. <laughs> um, the Old sent Testament me right talks up the pole. About... There you go. See, that's what you could have said. Right up the pole. <laughs> you you ran it up the flagpole to see. Yeah. Oh, oh. Different, different band. Different band. <laughs> I'm sorry. Good year. Different band. Um, the Old Testament talks about in Isaiah about a multitude of camels coming and they so we keep focusing on three people three magi although they don't say three magi in the bible they never give a number um and matter of fact a lot of the earlier testament like in isaiah and psalms talk about a multitude of camels and a multitude of people coming so it, it they they went with three because of the three presents that were given but we have no proof that it was just three it seems to be kind of imagine a- how much better this song would have been though if instead of we three kings it was we baker's dozen of camels <laughs> come on guys come on new york at the turn of the 1800s or whenever figure it out 
we bunch of guys, you know, <laughs> came with some stuff. <laughs> there are also names that they give to the three wise men. Um, not in the Bible itself, but from other writings that were around that time, usually around 500 BC, uh, AC. We have the three names are Melchior, Caspar, and Bel- Belthazar. Um, Balthazar, yes. I love that name. Like, if I didn't want to, like, condemn my kid to a life or horrific teasing, I would love to name my kid Balthazar. That is just a nice, powerful name. (laughs) Yeah, whereas Caspar is... Caspar just became a friendly ghost. Yes. The holy one, possibly. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) We'll talk about that when we get to Great Provider. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to hit it next month when I hit Grim Grinning Ghost, but... Oh, well. <laughs> um, so I'm going to stop myself there because I went down a really deep rabbit hole from that point on in yeah. terms of like all the different things. If you want to read more about the three different wise men, you could go on Wikipedia and go on a number of different sites and they will break down like where these names came from, maybe where they went, came, went to, what countries they may have come from. It is a really deep hole, though, so I warn you ahead of time, you're going to spend hours looking at this stuff. It is interesting, but wow. Or you could get a degree in theology. People have been writing about those guys for 2,000 years. So there's there's a few books to get through. It takes a while, <laughs> is all I'll say. So I am now going to direct us on another discussion that's going to take a while. Other covers of these songs. Oh. Um, there have yeah. been a lot of popular covers of these songs. Um, obviously, a lot of people have covered the song in church. Um, but is it a cover like, if it's a traditional song? It's more like a rendition or something, isn't it? What right. is it called I, if it's not? I, I don't know. Don't know. I was going with cover. I'll let. Uh, we can call it a cover. I don't know. I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there. I was just going to say, if it's on an album, it's a cover. If it's uh, if it's in a church, it's a rendition. I don't know. There, <laughs> there we go. That that's a nice <laughs> me- mixing of the an, two. There we go. An extraordinary um, rendition. <laughs> yes. So one of the earliest ones we have is Gustav Holst doing it on in 1910 on his choral fantasy Christmas Day. We have Bing Crosby who covered it a number of times, but first first time he covered it was on 1945 on his album Merry Christmas. Absolutely. The witch is Mother Mary did nothing taken score. For some really different ones, we have Tommy Iommi from Black Sabbath rewriting and rearranging it. It comes full circle. (laughs) Full circle, baby. You said that earlier, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. (laughs) It's a callback. He rearranged this for a metal version done by Ronnie James Dio. Let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ the Savior. Um, on We Wish You a Merry Xmas and a Headbanging New Year. And that version was actually played on off the movie Office Christmas Party. Yeah. Very, okay. very common album. I mean, right there with Ben Crosby. Everybody knows about that one. Well, of course. I mean, I didn't really need to say that one. Though. My nan used to play it every year. I mean, between that and Vince Lombardi. Uh, I mean, uh, damn. <laughs> the trio. Yeah, Vince Lombardi. Yeah, the trio, the trio, yeah. 
Vince yeah. Lombago, yeah. 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 I want to hear Vince Lombardi's version of this though. <laughs> yeah, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I really I really messed that up. Snoopy's going to be upset. Yeah, Vince Lombardi. Snoopy's going to be upset. <laughs> it is what what's his name? Uh Vince uh gee, the trio. Yeah, it's just whatever. It's Snoopy's Christmas. Yeah, that one. Just say that. Garaldi. Super morose. Garaldi. There Vince Garaldi. Love, love that thing. Vince Vivaldi. Yes. There's also a synth pop neoclassical band called Mannheim Steamroller. Not sure if you've ever heard of them. Um, yes. But they do a version of this. That supposedly it's really popular. Been done a lot of times. Mariah Carey, of course, did a cover of it as well. Of God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. Oh, okay. Um, most of these were God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. There's not many of, of We Three Kings of Orientar. Hmm. Um in 1994, Apogee Software released a video game called Rise of the Triad for the yes. yeah. operating system. <laughs> yes! <laughs> you guys know this? Came, oh, man. Rise of the Triad was a great time. You turned into a puppy. It was one of the internal- few games where, uh, you know, like, this was the Duke Nukem era of 3D yeah. gaming. And so you'd turn on God mode, you couldn't get killed, right? But in Rise of the Triad, if you turned on God mode, you became a god. So your character <laughs> grew to like 20 feet tall and your weapon was just a hand out in front of you and you'd zap people from <laughs> the heavens. Or to take those th- same three letters and flip them around, there was also a pickup you could get which turned you into a dog and your weapon was a little paw <laughs> that would come up on the screen. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm going to like totally download this for go, this Go find game. it. It is the best. <laughs> it's great. Apogee was the king of the shareware uh, companies. They did Commander Keen. They yep. did like everything. And yeah. the early Duke Nukem's before he went 3D. Yep. That was it. So, special on that version, on Rise of the Triad, if your internal clock of your computer indicated that it was December 25th, the game's background music was replaced with an up version, upbeat version of God Rest You Merry Gentlemen by Lee Jackson, which was called God Rest You Deadly Gentlemen. And I, I, wow. I really geeky because I actually had that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really? A long time ago. <laughs> like, why were you playing Rise of the Triad on Christmas? I wasn't playing it on Christmas Day, but it was like it was late, and I didn't want to go to sleep. <laughs> so, <laughs> got home. You know how it is? It was late. Yeah. One thing led to another. I was playing Rise of the Triad. <laughs> well, and if you wanted to, like, if you knew this this was there, then you could just change yeah. your computer's clock. Sure, but. Nah, that would be the cheating way to do it. <laughs> now, of course, I want to just download it just for that, because you can't find that on the internet. I tried. Yeah. <clears throat> um, there was a 1995 Sabotage, uh, which was an American heavy metal band, released an instrumental version of it. And now that you might know this band, because Sabotage later became Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we know them. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and this has actually since then become one of the staples of their live performances. And what would a Christmas album be, or a Christmas song be, if it weren't covered by Kenny G? Of oh, course, Kenny G has covered this song. An American rock band called Bright Eyes covered it in 2002. Canadian rock band covered it with another Canadian singer, uh, Bare Naked Ladies with Sarah McLaughlin. Uh, um, if only so, there was a podcast about that somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't found it yet. Um, yeah. There was a, an American a cappella group called Pentatonics that has they do a lovely, yeah. they do a lovely version. They really do. And that I version liked was them before they were cool. I liked them back when they were on that terrible show. <laughs> <laughs> there was an a cappella um, like the Voice show that they won. <laughs> It, no, I great. like pentatonics. They're really great. That version was put on the Grinch, the animated version from 2018. Eh. <laughs> Another Korean... Missed it. Now, another Canadian musician, Laureen McKinnett, released a oh, yeah. version that had a very Mideastern feel to it in 2008. The Riverdale cast just covered it two years ago. And then finally, and I would have to say my least favorite version, <clears throat> is Annie Lennox's version of her first Christmas album, released in 2010. I just hate that version. <laughs> I love Annie yeah, Lennox. Didn't she do I, an awful version of Walking Through a Winter Wonderland as well? I love it. Yeah, exactly. I love Annie yeah. Lennox, but yeah, no, those don't work. No. 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 What is your favorite cover of the song? You, you want to you wanna go first, Justin? Uh, hmm. Oh, wait, now, of God Rest Ye or We Three? Uh, both. God, one, uh, one of each. Probably God Rest Ye or both because the other one's not covered that often. We three is. Oh, I've got a good one for that one. Yeah, We Three Kings is definitely the claymation California raisins one. I love it too much. It is just perfect, Um, especially because in speaking of all those camels and the great entourage that's supposed to come, the camels sing. Oh, that's that's important. (laughs) You know, that's the camels go a long way, and uh, that's why I prefer Rudolph's shiny New Year to uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer because of camels. There's a singing camel. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, that's fair. Yes. As for uh, God Rest Ye, uh, I'm going to go old school. I really do like uh, a staple in our house is uh, Bing. You know, warts mm. and all for all the stuff that's wrong with them. Bing Crosby is just part of my house. 
when when december 1st kind of tips i turn into like a shopping mall over here only it's a no mariah carey place <laughs> so that poor Mar- that mariah carey song is like the only good modern christmas song to come out in ages it's except I'll for it- except for l's lament yes Okay, but between Grinch, uh, again the Vince, uh, the Vince trio with Snoopy stuff, and Bing Crosby, that's pretty much it. So I'm going to give it to Bing this time. Yeah, and well, he is a okay. staple. Like as much as he had personal problems and interrelational problems, he was an amazing singer, and he is Father Christmas in so many ways. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. You know, the like that Christmas album is so influential in so many people's houses that um, it, it flavored the entire era. It really, it's like Shakespeare in that people talk about that whole period of time as the Shakespearean era. So influential were his works. If you listen to any music from the 40s, it sounds like Christmas music because oh. of that Bing Crosby album, which still sells like a brand new album. Yep. Well, so, even before the album, like listening to it on the radio, like that's what people would do on Christmas Eve is they would sit down next yeah. to the radio and listen to the Bing Crosby radio program. <laughs> yep. With, it's, with it's David Bowie magical. for something to do. <laughs> David Bowie. <laughs> yeah, nothing better yeah, to I've do. Gotta, listen to Bing. <laughs> I've got to give it to to Bing as well uh, or for God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. I don't think that you could beat that, and it's and it's a a quintessential Christmas song. But for uh, We Three Kings, other than this version, and, and honestly, I feel that this version of the song uh, with Grinnick Ladies and Sarah McLaughlin oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. beats all of it. I yeah, assume I mean, this is really one of my favorite one, Christmas yeah. songs. All right. Right. Yeah. yeah. We have to take um, that one off the table and, and do it. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, as a given. But my favorite version of We Three Kings is actually uh, kind of an exploded version of this song. That is an entire opera, which is called A Mall and the Night Visitors. And it was an opera, it was the very first opera that was ever written for television. It aired in the 50s. And it's it, it's kind of hard to find now, but there are albums of it out there. And it's a whole opera in English about uh, the three kings stopping off at this uh, impoverished uh, family's hut, this, this single mother and her <laughs> son who is a, uh, a shepherd who had to sell all the sheep and has uh, a crutch. And uh, the kings are staying in their house overnight. It's all sung, it's all in opera, it's incredible. And, and it's about this woman's uh, kind of struggle because her son is starving, and they've got all this gold and frankincense and myrrh that she could take while they're asleep, but she shouldn't, and, and going back and forth. And, and it's absolutely incredible, and it's all on YouTube if you want to watch it or just listen to it. And, uh, and it's a better version of this song, just throwing out the song and taking the story and just working on that. Neat. I like that. So there. I'm I'm going to try to take it one better though. Oh. In a different direction though. Do it. I'm going with a parody. Other than okay. the naked ladies version, I like the parody, the restroom door said gentlemen. The restroom door said gentlemen, so I just walked inside. I took two steps and realized I've been taken for a ride. I heard high voices turned and found the place was occupied by two nuns, three old ladies, and a nurse. What could be worse than two nuns, three old ladies, and a nurse? 
done by Bob. Oh, of course. Now I can't think of the name. Hold on. <laughs> done by Bob, the drag queen. Bob Hope. Oh. Bob from Sesame Street. Twisted River. Bo- uh, Twisted Christmas. Bob Rivers Comedy oh. Group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to me, this is the, like I can't listen to it with the kids in the car, obviously. But <laughs> no matter how many times I listen to this song, I can't help but laugh at it. Um, it really makes me smile when even during the worst part of the holly- holiday season. So. Bob Rivers are the ones who also do that one, The Twelve Stresses of Christmas, aren't they? Mm, yes. Yeah. Okay, I don't know what this is now. <laughs> that whole album, like, there's... It's much like this album, in that there's some amazing songs in it, and then the rest are like, eh. <laughs> so, a lot of filler, the, yeah. The restroom door said Gentleman is definitely one of the best ones that's all on the album. Well, I'm going to have to look this right. up. Adding it to the playlist. And the reason I couldn't remember it is because I don't look it up. I just have it like, it's. I actually have the album right here next to me. That's why I had to turn to the side and <laughs> actually try to find it. Because it's, it's part of my actual CD collection. Lyrics of this song. Yeah. So, real quick breakdown. We start with rest, re, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. We do verse 1, chorus. Verse 2, chorus. And then we skip over, that's when Sarah comes in, and we skip over to the chorus and the verse 2 of We Three Kings. Then they go chorus, and then verse 5 of We Three Kings, and then chorus. Then they return to doing the chorus of God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, with Stephen singing around behind them the chorus of We Three Kings. Now, here's the thing that I find interesting live when they got to the we three kings part they would do verses one and two Mm. i don't know why but that like any of the versions that you hear off their live albums that's what they do i would not have ever thought that they would use chorus number two though because of what we talked about before where where two three and four are from the perspectives of of the gentleman like you would think Mm. they would take one and they would take five, which are the combination parts, and use yeah. those rather than taking these individual perspectives. But they don't do that. Yeah, I could see. Yeah, we three kings is kind of cut up. Yeah, I could see the use of the two verses because they kind of pair up a bit. Um, where the gold, uh, where it talks of born a king on Bethlehem's plain, and it talks a lot about what Jesus is going to be. And then the end of it, glorious, now behold him arise, etc. So it's talking a lot about who they're going to see rather than, you know, all the other stuff. So I could see since if you want to focus on the Christmas stuff, then there you go. But yeah, I agree. It it ends on a really universal note more so than just uh, here I am with my incense. Yeah, right. On the flip side of that, with the boys doing it live and they all do the parts, well, that just makes sense because it's all the guys. These are the guys. <laughs> so they, but no, they but don't. They, they do one and two. Oh. So they start off the with the We Three Kings, which they skip in the, the Sarah McLaughlin version. They skip the yeah. We Three Kings of Orientar. They yeah. jump right to the first two. Because there's not three of them. They know it's a lie. Well, there is. They're, well, there's not, they're not kings, but you got Steven, you got Ed, you got Sarah. Like, there's three. There's like also, they're also not kings. They, none of them have been crowned. 
this entire no. thing is a but look this this goes with the whole thing that we've been talking about the whole time they've never been called kings in scripture and there could have been more of them exactly. there it is <laughs> <laughs> this is all this is all like insert x-files music sound here <laughs> now i have to do that i have to pay for the royalties of that but uh, no, but jokes aside, I, I understand it only by virtue of the fact that I think it just the two verses fit with the idea of what the song was trying to present about Christmas. That's about it. No. Yeah, and that makes sense. Yeah. That's what it I was... It builds nicely when they're like, you know, king forever ceasing. Like, like they, they build it really well in the song when they come in with the hallelujahs and, and stuff. So. Oh, it, yeah. It, it feels, when you pay attention to the lyrics, it feels very disjointed, like they've skipped it over, and then they're yeah. like, they, they come in on the star, do they not? They're, they're, they're talking about the gentleman and then suddenly like, oh, star of wonder. Like, what star? What are we talking about here? <laughs> like, where are you guys going? It, it's, you, it's like two pages in their Christmas songbook got glued together and they just flipped <laughs> one. I was actually going to say, it's picture it if you can. Uh, people walking past each other after uh, on, uh, on a shopping spree at Christmas time. Somebody's just like saying, hey, Merry Christmas. That's the God rest you merry gentlemen and then the other person's like a salvation army person with a kettle it's kind of like you know jesus is around at this time of year too. <laughs> yeah so that's what this that's that's what this song is about and then the they're talking over each other at people. the end that's right this is it we figured it out this was something that go. happened to steve steve page who's it makes the most sense about because he's jewish <laughs> this is this is a this secret is the, jesus song. yeah this is exactly <laughs> what happened <laughs> But they're no, gonna uh, sneak, it's a sneaky <laughs> Jesus. They're gonna just put him in there. Okay, I'm for it. Not, not. not but with that said, too, uh, I want to give full props to. I know you can hear Steve singing on this as well, though Ed kind of takes lead, and so does Sarah. I love everything Steve is doing on this part. Like oh, he's, yeah, he's buttering this bread. Like he's bringing it out. He's icing this cake in the background. I love it. The harmonies that, he, and he comes in not it's just with the harmony. Bread. With icing and, and butter. The banana bread <laughs> has just melted our brains. We're just like, oh, yeah, he's really buttered that bread. He's going, oh, man, that bread. Pretty good. Oh, it's a wonderful smell in here. <laughs> oh, darn it. Steve's harmonies are gorgeous. And, and, and I thought, like, the more I listened to this, the more I realized he's not just taking a harmony on this. He's taking, the, he's taking it up an octave from where Ed is at. And then he's singing harmony, mm. and that actually blends really well when for when Sarah comes in singing her alto and soprano at points, mm. like blends that in with her voice, and you almost can't tell him from Sarah at times once she's jumped in. It's really and gorgeous, and that's something we like that plays to Sarah's strengths as well because I think technically she is more of a soprano than she is an alto, but she's got a good range so that she can just go all over there. Right. And Steve's range that. is something that he doesn't get a lot of chance to really flex either. And even in the songs he's writing, like when you see see him live and he goes way down low and way up high and you're like, oh, my God, this guy is, is like an opera singer. Uh, yeah. That never really comes across in the albums. No. Uh, Crosby, you know, Deck the Stills, you, you can hear it. Deck the Stills, you Deck definitely can hear it because he's got to take that high, high note there. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, yeah. It's a it's a peak of of virtuosic performance. Dexter Stills, very important. <laughs> Steve's important to his whole repertoire. 
He hated this album, I hear. <laughs> it wasn't his idea. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell in his voice. I can in Jingle Bells. I'm like, oh, Steve really doesn't want to be here, does he? <laughs> Why'd you guys do this to him? Yeah. It's funny, and I I haven't included it yet, but I'm going to down the road, and I'll just tell you guys of it now. But there's an actual. Um, appearance i'm gonna throw in here one of these weeks where they're doing deck the stills but with other songs um that are in their repertoire (laughs) so they're doing the crosby stills nash and young crosby but they're doing that to the other songs as well as they're driving on their way to a concert um i haven't actually put in my lyric notes or my my appearances for the week that they that they do it with that song so i can't of course pull it up right now like which song it was because i like filed it as in like all right that's done and set it's not a joke that is gonna get old i I am they could do a whole album of that and i would still like it better than burning it for the holidays (laughs) it would be great so i have a a question for you why you guys chose to come on for this song tell me about why you chose it uh, you want to go first? Am, 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 I was going to say, maybe it was mostly Justin It was like, I want that song. <laughs> no, I mean, maybe, but, you know, it's th- this is a quintessential Bare Naked Ladies song. Before, in Canada, Bare Naked Ladies were big before they, were, they hit other places. But even before you knew who they were in Canada, you knew Lovers in a Dangerous Time, and you knew this cover of God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, and it was on the radio. And it, it just sounded like nothing else on the radio at the time. This this really great acoustic, uh, uh, jazzy version of this song. And and it's a great thing that they do, and they do this live with other songs, too. They, they kind of transform a song, transpose it into another genre, you know, change the lyrics to alter it, you know, make it a rap or something like that, make it an opera piece. And, and it's something that they've always done on the fly, but with this song, they do it with real heart and guts in it, and, and with one of the greatest singers of her generation, Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah. And it, it's just it's just an incredible song. It's an incredible cover. And and so if, if given the chance, I would love to listen to this song all day and, and talk about it. It's, it's one of their best works. It really is. And, and I'll t- dovetail that a bit with the idea that you're taking two very quintessential Christmas songs and overlaying them. That's a feat in itself. You're taking two bands, which generally speaking and generously speaking are completely different. Like you have Bare Naked Ladies who this is like, I think, is this pre maybe you can drive or around there? So they're still kind of, uh, they're still kind of goofy. I, I think it, I think it's around it. It's, it's Cape Steve period. When was Steve yeah. wearing a cape all the time? Oh, he's wearing a cape made out of carpets. I don't remember what it was. All I know is that but, this was this was their they were still really happy and goofy at this time. So for them to be that and again, a Canadian band and for Sarah McLaughlin to be Sarah McLaughlin to take the two this, of those mission mission together. It might be the impressive. ultimate Canadian Christmas song, yeah. right? Between that yeah. and geez, uh. What was our? So I have Bare Naked Christmas Special, like Bare Naked Ladies TV Christmas Special, as two thousand and four. Yeah, but they were singing this long before two thousand and four. I I read it and it was ninety six. So this is like yeah, gorgeous. There's a CBC special up here. Yeah, and see that's and they had a bunch of too. special guests. It's one of those moments where, unlike a lot of other Christmas albums or Christmas 
duets or whatever like that, you usually have a couple of standards. Like you have your, even with Bing Crosby and David Bowie, everybody knew who both those people were. So when, when they did this weird drummer boy thing, that was interesting. This almost feels like our Canadian version of that is what I'm yeah. going to say. Because you have a sing with all due respect to the boys, because yes, they have talent and yes, they're beautiful singers and everything else. But you have, you know, Sarah McLaughlin, the the singer singer, you know, like the trained lady singer who's beautiful and it's great. And you have the guys <laughs> again. And then you have it's the same thing as trying to match up. Here's, you know, Bing Crosby, Mr. Hubba, you know, there he is. And then David Bowie, who is very not that, <laughs> and mixing them together. It sounds gorgeous. I love and This that. is Sarah McLaughlin right before surfacing, I think. Like, yeah. like right before building a mystery. You know, yeah. she was already a household name, uh, but uh, when when she really hit, she, yeah. she there was nothing bigger than Sarah McLaughlin. And well, this was like the year before that. Yeah, Liz Fair came from her, basically, and a lot of other female Lilith actors, Fair. Yeah. Lilith Fair, what I Oh, Liz, Liz, Liz Fair, that's another Liz singer. Liz Fair was there, but yeah, but Lilith Fair is what I meant. Yeah, sorry. And, was Liz Fair at Lilith Fair? Sure, why not? <laughs> that seems fair. That's, yeah. Uh, but no, but I'm serious. What I like about this is just the meeting. Like you said, it's like a Canadian super band for Christmas. There you go. That's yeah, exactly. Like yeah. And more, more things like this should happen. Like, they should just throw in, and you can like it or hate it when I say this, but just toss in Brian Adams for something to do, just to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here, too. He can play drums. <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking up, and I'm trying to find the... Because, of course, so one of the things that they used to do was, on, at Christmas, they would release the ladies' rooms, different tracks, and this was on the ladies' room CD, volume one. So that first year that they released the lady, the ladies' room for their their fans um, yeah. that were on their fan site, um, it was done in 1997, is what I have. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, good luck sense. on trying to find a a version of this anywhere. Um, it is nearly impossible to get from anyone. But at the time, it felt like that was the only way you could get this song, other than taping it off the radio or something like that. Which, let's oh, yeah. we all did. <laughs> and interestingly enough, this song was the second track on the list, on that CD. The other one was Night Photographs, which is a really early one we'll get later on to, but that's a really super, super deep cut. But, mm. like, yeah, most... Like, I didn't know about it until I started putting together the list of, like, the, the songs we were going to cover for this podcast. I'd never heard of Night Photographs. You have to go all the way back to their early tapes. Not the oh. discs, but the tapes. Um, I still can't believe but, we live in a world where you can hear those tapes on YouTube. I used to search everywhere it. for those tapes. <laughs> it's all just there now. But it's really weird that, like, so, by the way, percussion on that version of the Ladies' Room CD... The percussion provided by Tyler was him banging on a suitcase. Of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> but Standard it's interesting Tyler. that it's the second one, because I would have totally put that as the first on this al on that album, and Night Photographs as the backup. Like, mm -hmm. I would never have put God Rest You Merry Gentlemen as the B-side. Yeah, this song's incredible. And the other thing that we haven't mentioned yet, but I wanted to make sure I did have this in the notes, the song ends very quickly, mid-line. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's a quick cut. It kind of sounds like they've knocked out Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I want to see that. Not because she's I don't like, like Sarah McLaughlin, but I just like to see that. Yeah, because she ends on like nothing. Let nothing. Let nothing. And then it's over, and you just kind of cool. imagine Steve taking his cape and like <laughs> taking it over her and taking him, her down into his phantom cave. <laughs> Why is it always poor Steve? We all... He had the cape! He wrote all the relationship songs. Listen to them again. You'll see why. <laughs> okay, now that, make, that makes total sense now that you say it. He now. was warning us about all the lying. He was <laughs> lying about not being the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> but no, it does end abruptly, and I just figured it was because they had no idea how to stop. <laughs> Right. You, well, that's not many ways you can stop something, especially when you have it going as a round. Yeah. You can either, like, fade it out or you can cut it somewhere. But they don't kind of at, like, the end of a line. They kind of, like, mid-line, mid-verse. It's kind of charming, though. I, like, do you, do you think it would have been better if they had stopped and, and McLaughlin had just gone to finish that line? Like, just said, you dismay in silence? It might have been. I don't know. Well, no, what, I I think it brings something different to the song by doing that. What I like about it I is agree. that it also uh, it gives more to the credence of the idea that this is definitely something they just recorded together, almost only semi rehearsed. Like it's oh, was credence there too? No, nah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. What a wonderful time! No, he was off making a Clearwater Clearwater revival. They're just all out there in the tent. But it, honest to God, sounds like they were just kind of. You know, just doing this for a lark, like, like, like it pretty much was. So because of that, I like that. I like that aspect of it being very almost Im- not impromptu. I won't say that, but very just unpolished. And even yeah. though it sounded gorgeous, it it shows it lends itself to the talents that are there, and at the same time, the commitment they put to the song. It actually, which also explains why every now and again you almost hear Steve fade in with his harmonies. Not just because Sarah's a bit of a presence and there's only one mic in the room, but maybe he's even sitting there kind of going, you know, this would be a good place to add that. I'm going to sing in on this part. And then it's kind of like, this is neat. You can almost see them building this as they're sitting around the, the mic. It's nice. And that's how I've always yeah, and there's, it. Yeah, there's an energy to it from, like, they've only got the one mic. They're just in a rough studio. They're doing it live. They're, you know, it's it's not a clean song. But it's got that kind of energy that you only get from that kind of performance. You know, maybe even they didn't know. Who knows how many times they rehearsed it like this before they just started kind of jamming on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see them just jamming and just like recording at the same time. It was their first take on it. Yep. Yeah. Great. And it's or not because it doesn't sound polished, but it just it you can hear the fun of them just kind of doing it and going. And that's the key. Yeah. I think that's personally, I think that's why so many people enjoy this song so much is because. It sounds fun. It's and maybe sad. the reason it's so quickly cut hmm. is they just like, they were at some point they were like, how do we end this? And that, yeah. they're like, just before they decided to say that, they just hmm. cut. Yeah. <laughs> the only part of this song that I don't like is because they do such an abrupt cut is it cuts immediately into the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer that's right afterwards, the instrumental, which... Yeah, your your facial reaction is exactly my internal visceral this, reaction to hearing that as soon as it comes on. What is on. going on with this album, guys? <laughs> what is going on? Why did you do this? <laughs> like, I'm glad that I have it. Like, I don't listen to the CD. I listen to it instead on my in my iPod in the car because 
when it, this song ends, it leads into another song I like rather than leading into Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That's why I listen to only this song in a Christmas mix. Yeah. Let's put some numbers to this gentleman. Uh-oh. How many Magi do you give this song? Zero to five. I'm going to give it... Uh, I gotta give it five. This song's perfect, man. It, it's perfect in its execution. The, the roughness of the song just makes it better. It's it's two of the greatest uh, Canadian groups in a, one of the greatest eras for Canadian pop music, and it's just man, it it just nails it on every level, which makes the rest of the album it comes on <laughs> substantially more stark in its its lack of that. But yeah. in any case, <laughs> this song is wonderful. I'm giving yeah. it five five Magi, so many Magi. All right, Justin. I gotta join in with Andrew. I gotta throw in a five as well, because I cannot think of another Christmas song that I can hit replay on as much. And this is coming from a church kid, so I mean, I got a lot of repertoire I can back that up with. But the but the best part about this is that you can play this for folks who like the old traditional songs and hymns and all that stuff, and you can easily make the excuse, oh no no. This is, these are those songs. <laughs> and, and then if somebody... Like, well, it's not a far enough variation right? that it's going to offend anyone. Yeah. But it's like, fun. It's upbeat. It's, it's different. It's not headache-inducing, like, and this will be another conversation for another day, but, like, there are other songs, like Mary Did You Know, that drive me up the wall. <laughs> but, oh, for so many reasons. Yeah, but these ones are gorgeous because they are two <laughs> traditional, old-fashioned tunes they brought him up to speed with, like Andrew already said, two of the powerhouses of Canadian music at the time. And at some of their best times, I might add. I think the jewel of it all, the thing that makes it that, once again, the butter on the banana bread, is the fact that it is... Oh, was Jewel uh, there too? Yeah, is she singing yeah. in the background? That's great. She, <laughs> she wasn't allowed in. She's not Canadian. Tyler was just hitting her on the head. Um <laughs> great song great song um but no but no i i really appreciate the roughness of it the fact that it does sound like a bunch of people jamming out and enjoying christmas and you know what there there needs to be that and now that we finally discovered that this is a story about two two people meeting in the street one religious and one not i love this idea even more And I mean, it's compare about this, conflict. Yes, yeah, about Christmas compare this, conflict. At the, around the same time this came out, um, this exact thing almost happened again when the Crash Test Dummies. Oh my gosh! Uh, released their right their big Christmas single at the time, and yeah, again the era of power Canadian pop, and and they released the first Noel. The first Noel. The did say unto certain poor shepherds in fields where they lay. Brad Roberts being like, oh well, you know, crash the dummies, and and it's not that great. Like it's oh. it's funny, but it's it's very plodding and very like that's a slow song anyway. Yeah, and they slow it down and. You know the video is funny, but the song itself is 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 a novelty. 
but it's not one that's going to make your top ten Christmas songs like this does. And like Justin said, it's got the crossover, like the old folks are going to love it, the new folks are going to love it, the middle folks are going to love it too, I guess. Is that us? Are we Are we the middle? <laughs> I'm, u- I'm usually somewhere in the middle, we're, yeah. We're in the middle, yeah, right. yeah. I like to think I'm still in the middle somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I gotta so give soft it, I'm going to give it as as many of that uh, camel-filled entourage as we can. <laughs> Heck yeah! <laughs> All right, what do you give I, it? I also am going to give this a five. Oh, um, perfect score. <laughs> that puts it right in with... That puts you know it puts it up there for me with Elf's Lament. It puts it up there with Deck the Stills. And on this album, those are the ones that I just warp over and over again during the it's, Christmas season. I um, love that it's I, up there with Deck the Stills. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a totally. Said, it's it's so different. Man, you know, all three of those are so utterly listen. different. One, you have this traditional, but let's see if we can totally mix up the words. The other one's like let's re- let's let's recreate and make our own brand new Christmas melody, yeah. and then this is the like let's redefine and redo the old Christmas melody, but stick to the traditionality. <laughs> what you got to envision like, these? Oh man, songs. yesterday by the Beatles. That's really up there with Deck the Stills. <laughs> it's one of those classics, you know. You got to look at this like ornaments on a tree. Yeah, that's what you gotta do. Like Deck the Stills is that hokey one you got that looks like it's the car from a Christmas vacation that you bought from the store but you love. <laughs> you got you got this one, which was like the one that you made in elementary school for your mom. You got this one here. And it's the com- combination of things you love and people you love and memories you love all right there. And then you got over on the other side with Elf's Lament. You got one of those decorations that somebody that you really like at the office gave you, and you don't really like it, but it's nice and it's new and it's fresh and it's lit up. So there it is. But they all live on the tree. Oh, see, I was thinking on the, the tree I was together. is the one that your kid has made you, and you love it because your kid has made made it. Okay, it's not absolutely perfect, <laughs> but it, it will always hold a very special yeah. and dear place in your heart because it's something new and still but, very. But well that's done. where they are. They're different. They're different branches of the same tree ornaments. <laughs> and then you have Rudolph, which is the, the pine needles that, that, that have fallen That one off. broke. It's, it's, it fell down. <laughs> I don't know why so they're doing this. I, I think the thing that makes this a five for me, and this is the test of a real Christmas song, is you listen to these songs for, at least for me, one month out of the year, about a month's worth of time. And you've only got like probably for me, I only have probably somewhere around 50 Christmas songs that I really, truly enjoy listening to. And can you listen to those over a month period of time over and over and over again and not have them get old and not be something that you're like, yeah, flip past this. I never flip past God rest ye merry gentlemen, this version of it. Um, Never. Do I want to hear it in church? Yeah, do I want to hear it continuously at church? Absolutely not. But I love this version. I love the jazziness. Matter of fact, I wish this version were playing in church. Um, because it's I so could hear a whole it. album of, of this, though. Like, if, if they had taken yeah. this kind of jazzy vibe and just been them and another Canadian singer doing Christmas standards, like, that was the album I wanted to make it with all yes. it is to be. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yep. And, uh, man, it's so it's artists- such a great song. There are artists out there that do a whole album of just 
uh, coordination with other artists and and just like uh, I can't think of the right word right now, but where they where they work with another artist and a whole bunch of different artists. And, you know, I think of Tom Jones, for example, where he's like, OK, I'm going to bring in this artist or Frank Sinatra. Where he's like, I'm going to bring in this duet. I'm going to bring in this duet. And then he's just bringing people in to do all these different songs. I would love to have if if they did it with Steve, a whole album of Bare Naked Ladies do duets or or compilations with other artists. They kind of did that with because the Temptations, was... right? Yeah, like it would be they, intriguing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because mm. each song intriguing. would have a very different feel in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. They don't, and if they kind of kept it to an upbeat jazz motif, kind of an idea, kind of a uh, a sound, that would also harken back to a time when it was all about the stand up bass and all that too. And, and on top of that, add to it the fact that um, they're taking, like we just made very clear, the standards and just make them, make them fun, <laughs> you know, something. Man, I, I really want Jim to do a version of all about that bass now, though, Justin, that you said that. <laughs> like a really slow, sad version. I have. Uh, I'll send you a link. There's there's a gorgeous uh, lady singer who did it, and she's also a bass player. And I cannot remember her name off the top of my head, but I will send you the link. It's good. <laughs> yes, I would love that. There you go. But I too want to see Jim's version of this too, yes. like him singing to his bass. Yes. <laughs> just holding it while my guitar gently weeps. Part two. <laughs> yes, yes, him just like caressing the bass. <laughs> I'm gonna send that. I'm gonna I'm gonna Twitter him. I'm gonna tweet something to him about that. Like it's a necessity. We must see this Jim on the next <laughs> album. <laughs> so speaking of appearances, of course, the one that I pulled up for this week is them playing "God Rest You Merry Gentlemen" on the Anne Murray Classic Christmas from December 1995. Right. Speaking of them already having this, that's the one I'm thinking about. That's, That's the one we're thinking about. Oh, them on Anne Murray. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, like, it's Anne Murray's, and of course, she had been doing it for however many years at that point. You know, the way that she introduces it is that, like, well, my daughter asked me who I should have on this show, <laughs> and, well, this is who she said. Woof. <laughs> yeah, this is when they were still being banned, right, for their name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's hilarious, because you're right, Steve is wearing the, this really interesting outfit um he's a cape he's got a cape and and they're in some of the videos from maybe you should drive he's wearing a cape i don't know why but it's not a, really a cape it looks like he just took a rug and yeah. threw it over his shoulder maybe it was one of the it's just a rug it's it was one of the mats they had under sarah mclaughlin when they played that's probably what it was <laughs> he, he like walked into a castle and he's like i need something for this concert and they're like we have many tapestries. <laughs> and he's like, I'll take them. All of I'll them. take all of them. Ed, here's one for you. I'm going to take this one. Just think, Ed's there, got one odd, too. There was a line of fashion that diverges in a fork, and on one side, there's Steve in a cape, and on the other side, there's the whole banded leather pants after a stunt. Oh, yeah. And just like, they decided to go the pants route, and they could have been capes. <laughs> it could have been a totally different band of good ladies. In the back nine. <laughs> oh, man. So the, the I'm going to put in here the Ang Murray Christmas special. Um, you also get to see them singing Santa Claus is Coming to Town, and I saw Mommy kissing Santa Claus. I have to say that here here's my notes as I was watching this video. Mm -hmm. Steven looks really aggressive. The angle that they have the, con the, the cameras at 
is a really aggressive angle. They've got Steve looking like he is like natural, almost on top of Anne Murray at one point, and it looks like Stephen is going to attack her with the microphone. <laughs> well, they did just write "Straw Hat" and "Old Dirty Hank," right? So. Well, that's what I was just going to get to. Is like maybe that was what he was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, he's do- he's going very method with this. Was was he, and, was he the farmer? <laughs> uh, maybe. I think they got that guy. Um, and the other thing that I. So at four minutes and 15 seconds, and you have to, like, stick it out and watch it. To the, well, actually, it's not sticking out because it's really a lot of fun to watch this. But at four minutes and 15 seconds, Steve and Anne, during I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus, Steve and Anne are hamming up the lines when she starts saying, I saw Mommy tickle Santa Claus. And you just have to watch the video and figure out why. Because, like, way to go, Anne. Like, she is hitting on, like, 20-something-year-old Steve. <laughs> And Steve's like, all right, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I'm for it. Anne Murray's a treasure. <laughs> yes. And she aged amazingly. Like, between, like, 20 years before this, like, in this video, like, the only thing that aged was her hair. Like, it went white, and that's it. Yeah. She looks amazing. Oh, yeah, no. She's great. My my great regret about Anne Marie is that she was supposed to sing "Blame Canada" from the South Park movie the year it was nominated for an Oscar, in which she is called out, and uh, I don't think she got a chance to. She was sick or something. She couldn't make it. But like like that's Anne Marie. That that they're calling her a bitch in. Uh, can I say bitch on this podcast? In, in, you just uh, did. <laughs> the, the, they're they're calling her her that to her face in the lyrics, and she's like, I want to sing that song. Yeah. I want to sing it. <laughs> she takes no guff. <laughs> no. The other thing that's hilarious in this video, when you're watching it, is there's a spot that they cut to with Anne's daughter where she's in the background. So they're singing their song, and it cuts to Anne's daughter, who has recommended that they're the ones to play this song. And it just, I can't quite tell, but it looks like Anne Murray's Dari looks at her and goes, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, she's got that teenage, like guilty grin on. And then you see her melting something that I swear is, I'm sorry to her mom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. We let these guys in. Now they're never going to leave. <laughs> so everyone's got to go out and watch it for those, those tripping points throughout the, move, the video, because it is hilarious. I watched it like five times. And I couldn't stop laughing. Man, now I really want a Flight of the Concords style early Bare Naked Ladies bio series on Netflix. <laughs> where they're just going around, people are apologizing for their presence, they're screwing it up, they're getting mad at Halifax. It's great. Anne Murray is like a national treasure. As you guys were saying, like, I, I love all her stuff, I love listening to her. I would say, like, I, I don't like the phrase because it's it's wrong because it's not the right gender, but I'd say she's almost like the golden boy of Canada. Mm, yeah, she's lasted the longest. I'll give her that. Between her and Stomp and Tom, God rest them. It's either them or Gord Lightfoot. <laughs> oh, Gord, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. up there too because he's a. Okay, so maybe he's the golden boy. Mm. He's our Gordy Howe. I'll give you that. <laughs> Well, anyways, that's the song that we're going to cover next week is Golden Boy. Ah, ah oh, nice transition. I, I do indeed <laughs> see what you did there. <laughs> it took that, that one I had to explain out, though, so that's pretty bad. That was the bad pun. <laughs> 
They can't. You you try working Golden Boy into a into a transition. It's hard. <laughs> I couldn't do it. This is why why you had to do this podcast. I wouldn't know what to do with that. <laughs> this is why we're the guests well, and you're the host. <laughs> Have a great week, you guys. Thank you so much for coming on. And, of course, you're welcome back anytime. Thanks, and happy Diwali. <laughs> Hopefully next time with Aaron and Michelle. Maybe they'll actually join us. Yeah, you bunch of schmucks. Get off your butts. <laughs> Come on. What is, can- what is this? We're not. We're, we're Canadians. We're not good enough for you? What? what you? Yeah, the foreigners are in. We know how it is. Yeah, okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. We're just going to take our poutine and go back to Quebec, hey? How about that? <laughs> How many bad things can we hit on? How many bad, like, cliches? Oh, at least one more. <laughs> well, you guys are so nice, so thank you guys for coming well, sorry on. Sorry about that. <laughs> thank you for having us. <laughs> sorry. Have a great week, people. Thanks, that was fun. Don't forget, no regrets. Except maybe one. Okay, what is that that you're holding up? I got a lot of reflection. I couldn't oh, see what sorry. that was, Justin. That appeared to be Michael Myers. Are you just throwing Halloween? Oh, in ha- Justin, this is this is Christmas. <laughs> Halloween is gone and past, and you're the biggest fool at last. <laughs> I'm going to pause this for one second. I have a a banana bread that is going to come out of the oven. Hold on one second. So oh, we, man. Do we pause, too? No, let's stay here and, and just imagine that we could also be eating banana bread. Hmm. Imagine. I just realized we're going to tell him to delete this part. <laughs> yeah, he will. <laughs> delete this part. You went and got banana bread. This is your fault. Yeah, we got to Now we're thinking about, about banana bread. <laughs> He's legit cooking a banana bread. <laughs> well, he he's already cooked the banana bread. Yeah. Nah, things also, are good. Also, his his home appears to uh, Tracy has a nice heat pump uh, installed in his home in the background. I can see in this video, and that's very, very uh, yeah, it's energy smart. So uh, that is it's good for him. Effective, and if you zoom in a bit on the window, it looks like that has extra um, double layering it? there. Double layering, yeah, it's a proper window over there. That's an energy-efficient home. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Sorry about that. That's no problem. Big... You're going to have a lot of fun editing that later. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> this is, this will serve me right for walking away from the microphone. Yeah. No, it'll serve you right for not sharing the banana bread with us. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we stuck all the swears right there. <laughs> Mostly swearing just cut it and put it at the end of the episode. That, that's the bleeper reel. <laughs> All right. So, uh, where did I leave off? Oh, okay. So, I'm going to pause this real quick, take that out because it's all done, and then we'll, I won't have any more interruptions. Now you better bring us some. <laughs> Do you think he could maybe fax us some of the banana bread? I, I, at this point, the hype is so big. Where the Probably hell are you going to find a fax machine? Uh, I, I've got a fax machine at work. At work? I'm halfway yeah. there. I got a phone a phone in the briefcase. Whatever. <laughs> I'm quoting Hook. Oh, what was I going to say? Uh... All right. I hate God. baking banana bread because you never, like, it's not a timer thing. You have to sit there and 
stick the toothpicks down inside to make sure it's done. But then you get to eat the banana <laughs> bread, which is more than I can say for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm desperately trying to think of what we have here in baked goods. <laughs> Do you have a gluten allergy? No, I just don't have any banana bread. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. flaunting your banana bread at me. I'm like, jeepers. I wish I could. No, I gotta sit here and just sit here and smell it, though. At least yeah. you guys don't have to smell wafting. No, I could, I could go for smelling it. Buddy, you don't know what you're smelling in here. <laughs> it's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 